0: We'll uh, meld right into announcement time since I'm here. Super Bowl Sunday, two weeks away, right? It's no secret that the Rams are my first favorite team, second favorite team is whoever's playing the 49ers. So it's the Lions today. Go Lions, right? I want you to know that it's a known fact that there are believers and followers of Christ in every team and organization. We pray for a safe time that there be no injuries, particularly here at the well as we watch the game. (laughs) The game time, I believe, is 3.30. They haven't made that official on Super Bowl Sunday. We've talked the last couple weeks about ways we can contribute and come. Uh, Again, I'm bringing chili and and whatnot. Uh, I want to talk about beverages at this point. Here's what the church is going to provide. When you walk through the double doors right here, there's this little short black machine. It's about this big. It's got bottled water in it. We can make it hot or cold when you push a button. That's as exciting as it's going to get pertaining to that. Now, you, brothers and sisters, are welcome to bring an ice chest full of ice and the beverage of your choice that doesn't contain alcohol. Because we don't have that as an option here on campus at the church. So... If you want to load up on A&W Zero cans, bottled water, whatever, bring your own ice, bring your ice chest that you take away. For the man or woman that doesn't cook or want to prepare anything, that's the way to go. Anybody can buy a couple of 12-packs of Coca-Cola or, or whatever, cactus cooler or whatever you're drinking. That's an option. We'll have outlets available for famed crock pots full of hot stuff. Chips and dip are always good. But we are going to fellowship as the body of Christ, enjoy the Super Bowl, in here on two screens and one in the commons. Stick around to clean up your mess. (laughs) That's for sure. Anybody that would like to help out on Monday uh, as far as coming in, and not that we're leaving a mess on Sunday, but that there might be things that need to be done here, wiped down, vacuumed, whatnot on Monday morning. Uh, Barry, raise your hand, Barry. Where's Barry? Barry is the project manager. He's the man to see. He's going to take that on. So, Super Bowl. Uh, Goodness. Men's ministry moving forward in 2024. We're having, remember the M6 meeting that we had here? Fellowship of the Brothers. There is an M24 in September, Saturday and Sunday, the 7th and 8th. Now, you're thinking, what is he telling us in January about September? I want you guys that have vacation schedules at work or things you need to plot and scheme to get time off at a certain time if you work weekends to block that date out. Men can camp out of their car. I'm going to talk a lot more about it when we get closer, but it's in Tehachapi. We show up at noon on Saturday. You leave at noon on Sunday, and it would be a uh, real ministry statement if beyond a uh, guest speaker this dwelling was void of men. Because they were taking that in. So anyway, I'll have lots more about that. Solely business, of course, is coming up in March. There will be registration for the June event uh, shortly thereafter, probably within a couple of weeks, and I'll have information about that. Thank you.
1: There is an epidemic sweeping across our nation's churches. That is the shrinking population of their volunteers. Alarming, to say the least. To investigate the impact, we set up our cameras, removed all the volunteers, and followed a man we'll call Pete, as he attended a local worship service without any volunteers. It started out like any other Sunday. Pete arrived five minutes late, as he always does. He assumed a greeter would open the door. He assumed wrong. Have you ever had church coffee that's been sitting around for a week? Well, Pete has. (laughs) Deciding life was about more than just coffee, Pete finally answered the call to the mission field. But there was nobody picking up on the other end. To further complicate matters... Pete had to stoop down and get his own bulletin. He even had to hold and comfort a tiny human that he didn't understand. In fact, Pete didn't understand any of it. So, how can we as a church body keep this from happening? It seems there's a very simple fix. It takes a little bit of time and a little bit of effort. So won't you do it for your church? Do it for yourself. Please. God bless him. Volunteer. My car. For Pete's sake. My car. Hold on.
2: Yeah, on on that note, for Pete's sakes, I mean, around here we don't call it volunteering. We give it opportunities to serve. So we, we have all to- sorts of opportunities to serve here, and our plug this morning is for Kingdom Kids, because right now our volunteer list is short. And if you are afraid, have the courage to do it, because you can talk to several people that have served in Kingdom Kids, and it's such a rewarding thing to do, because I know if you remember back in Sunday school, maybe that's the first time you heard about Jesus, and, and you're like, oh, wow. So you get the opportunity to shepherd young kids to know Jesus. So what more important things there are out of that? And there's all sorts of other ways to serve here at the church. You know, with Barry, I'm sure he would love to have people come and help him. Thank you, Solomon. He came on, on Saturday and helped him. So there's great, all sorts of opportunities to serve here. So if you have any questions, contact myself, and I'll be more than happy to direct you in the right direction. So, And the next announcement is our continuing care. Um, it's like our second body um, by the way, High Continuing Care, they stream us every Sunday, and it's um, the care facility behind Ojai Hospital, and so we go and do service there. So this morning, or this afternoon at 145, we all gather there, and at 2 o'clock we have a service, and today we have a special guest speaker, speaker at the service at Jordan, and so we're going to worship with them today there and just preach the word of, of God to them, and it's just a great opportunity, and if you do go there, they do, are requiring right now mass just because... It is a care facility and they don't want to get any of our dirty germs from our dirty church so, so it's but it's what it's a great opportunity and if you go you truly will be blessed I mean you go there to bless them but then in return you get blessed by them so and then my last one is the giving statements if you haven't received your giving statements yet this year, contact our little drummer boy in the back bill um, he has them for you so
3: hey why don't we say thank you to the worship team that was uh How many of you sometimes you just needed that, right? Life is crazy, and we're starting off a new year, and it's going to be February already next week, right? And uh, sometimes we just need to worship and just be quiet and come before the Lord and singing. Uh, Worship team, if you could do me a favor, uh, let's... Close with um, the first song you did, Jesus after communion. So we'll close with that. I'm just sitting there, and the Lord's like, "That's going to be a great song to close." So if I can impose upon you, that would be great to close with that. Uh, well, good morning. We're going to begin today with uh, an exercise. Many of you have been with me for a number of years, and you know I'm an active learner. You know, um, I did well in school, but by golly, I'm more an active learner, and I've learned in my walk with the Lord and in 30 years of ministry. Many of you are active learners. And so we're going to start with uh, an exercise, an optical illusion that many of you are familiar with. And uh, Jordan, if you want to put that up there, we're going to start. We're just going to give you an opportunity to experience, literally experience, exercise your ability to choose your ability to choose your ability to focus so you know i saw this probably first time in high school way back in the 80s right it's the first time i saw this thing and so there's two images in there uh how many of you see a duck all right how many of you see a rabbit right okay so now we're going to give you an opportunity to literally choose Exercise your will to focus on one or the other, okay? And this is very important, and we'll tuck this away for the rest of the message. So uh, right now, we're going to choose to see the rabbit. Once you do that, put your hand up. Just choose to see the rabbit, all right? Now, in the next instant, choose to see the duck, all right? Now, how many of you are like, I see nothing, and I am like completely lost though? right? Okay, thanks, George. That little exercise, tuck it away because you're going to see, we're going to see through God's word today that that ability to choose where we focus before you leave here today can transform your life, can transform your spiritual growth, can transform 2024 and far beyond. You know, sometimes we talk about spiritual warfare and scripture speaks about spiritual warfare and sometimes we think of it like a power struggle, right, Uh, but really if you look at Uh, The core of spiritual battle, much of spiritual battle happens in the realm of the mind and your beliefs, right? Because God is all powerful. So it's not necessarily a power struggle of forces because God wins. It's not like the devil and God are 50-50. That's not even up for debate. But what the devil will want to do is get into your belief structure, distract you, cause doubt, cause fear, cause insecurity. Say, hey, look over here, not over here right that's kind of much of the core of spiritual battle is trying the devil trying to get you to lose your focus right to begin to doubt god's word to begin to doubt god's goodness to depend to begin to doubt god's authority that's all that happened in the garden right eve had this conversation and what was the devil trying to do challenge her beliefs challenge god's truth challenge god's goodness and once he got in there, he shifted her focus away from God and all that he had provided to what? Me. Oh, I can be like God. I can know good. It's about me. And much of the spiritual warfare that you and I are experiencing at this very moment or will experience when you leave here has to do with the devil trying to get your focus off of God, what we call vertical around here, and onto yourself. And once it gets onto yourself, it's kind of got gotcha. kind of got you then you get twisted up in knots and you don't even know what happened right and as i was thinking about this i was thinking about the story in numbers 13 and 14 if you're reading through your scriptures you probably have passed this already right if you're reading through the bible and you remember the israelites miraculously uh, are delivered from egypt many of you saw the movie ten commandments remember that back in the 70s right charlton heston and all that right and they come through the wilderness god is miraculously opens the Red Sea, he miraculously provides food, and they come to the edge of the promised land, Canaan, right? And if you remember the story in Numbers 13 and 14, they send 12 spies into Canaan, and they're spying out the land for 40 days, they see this incredible fruit, they cut it down, they bring it back, and then they give a report, and they show the fruit, and 10 of the spies say, you know, there's great fruit in there, but there are giants in the land. There are giants in the land. you remember that? And so they give this sort of, well, there's a lot of good stuff, but they give this report about giants, right? Joshua and Caleb come back, and two out of 10, Joshua and Caleb would give a different report, a different evaluation of what course they should take. And in Numbers 14, verses 6 and 10, it says this, And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. So in response to the report of the 10 spies and the giants, the people are freaking out. They're scared to death. We're going back to Egypt. I can't believe you brought us here. They somehow have forgotten all of God's miraculous doings to get them there just in an instance one bad report we're off to egypt this is ridiculous right joshua and caleb are trying to slow them down they're trying to calm them down they're trying to get them refocused refocused and it was interesting i was reading uh, just recently uh, about the brain and how our brain works and when we get amped and something happens There's an actual chemical process in our brain that causes us to get like this and shuts down our rational thinking. Anyone ever got something in your life like this and you did and said things irrationally? And you literally, after you calm down and you debrief, you're like, thank you. (laughs) What did I do? What did I say? How could I have been yada, 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 financial decisions, marital decisions, relational decisions in the heat of the moment, in the uproar? What literally has happened is your brain goes into a different mode and your rational thinking shuts down until you calm down. Then you can kind of poke your head up and right, kind of rationally begin to think. And Joshua and Caleb are trying to get them to calm down. Unfortunately, we know the story, God's judgment comes. And they were just at the edge of Canaan, and God sends them on a 40-year walk. Right? And I wonder how many of us in 2024, you're on the edge of a spiritual Canaan. You're on the edge of a breakthrough spiritually. And you're right here, and you you see spiritual growth, and you see opportunities, and you see what God can do in and through you. You're right there at the edge of your Canaan, right? Which voice are you going to listen to? Because you know to cross over is going to require faith, is going to require maybe another level of trust for God to deal with the giants that are going to come your way when you step into Canaan. And the question for you and me in 2024 individually and as a church, are you going to cross over? Are you going to cross or are you, at the moment you see it, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, you see all this incredible potential, are you going to go like, yeah, 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 but, but there's giants. But, 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 I don't know what's just going to happen. I don't know what people are going to think about me. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I could do it. It's all going to depend on your focus. It's all going to depend on your focus. If you're going to stay this way or you're going to turn inward, right? And so if you're joining us today, we've been in this series, kind of putting some pillars, some, you know, really foundational uh, truths for us into 2024, pursuing godliness, following Jesus. And I kind of summarized it, right? We've talked about choices, counting the cost, and commitment. Right Over the last month, those are kind of what we've been talking about with the verses. And today, I want to kind of finish this series with another C word. Right? That's how most pastors work. We hook onto a letter. And so, it's choices, counting the cost, commitment. And today, it's actually two C words. Christian courage. Christian courage. And Christian isn't intentional because we're speaking to the church. And you know, there's no shortage on YouTube or self help videos or books about courage. And there's plenty of examples throughout history of people, non believers even, doing very courageous things, right? Doing very courageous things. And yet, for us today, we're going to look at Christian courage because Christian courage is radical, it's supernatural. It's transformative, and here's the radical thing. It's available to every Christian. It's available to every single Christian. As you sit here, as you listen to this at home, or whenever you're going to listen to this, right now, Christian courage is yours for the taking. Now, that's challenging for many of you as you sit here, because some of you are like, not me, right? Right? And and there's a difference, you know, as I was looking at this, there's secular, we we'll just call it secular non-Christian courage, many of us grew up with. And then there's Christian courage. And, and if you look up courage in Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it says mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty, right? So courage, right? It's not the absence of fear. It's moving into fear, all right? All this, you have courage, right? And, and yet the challenge with that kind of secular mindset, I I found this quote and it kind of sums it up. It says, in speaking about courage, be brave and take risks. You need to have faith in yourself. Be brave and take risks. You don't have to have it all figured out to move forward. Everything in there is kind of fine, except for you need to have faith in yourself. That's where it goes, boop, from secular courage to Christian courage and and many of us even in the church when I say Christian courage is available for you right at this very moment you went right to yourself oh not me I'm timid I'm shy I've never really been courageous I'm kind of quiet I what's the operative first I, I I I who does that remind you of how about a guy named Moses? Remember Moses? Burning bush, Exodus 3? God shows up miraculously and says, Hey, Moses, I need you to go deliver my people from Pharaoh in Egypt. And what does Moses do? He goes into Iland. <laughs> right? Iville. Uh, who am I? What do I say? What if they don't believe me? What do I, I can't speak very well. I've never been eloquent. And, and it's, it's amazing. He, he is, he's like, right, he went to red line. His brain's flipped. He's having an argument with God. Don't miss this. Everything he says, God of the universe has an answer. Who am I? Tell them I am sent you. What if they don't believe me? Here's a sign. He is so amped, and he has lost focus, and he has become so eye-centered, he can't even listen to God. Now, we're not talking, he can't even read his Bible. He's, <laughs> don't lose this, because sometimes I think we gloss this over. He's having a conversation with God, and he's so scared, he's so scared that he's consumed with eye that he's discounting everything God himself is saying to him. And before we throw stones at Moses, that could be happening to us in 2024. Because God might be calling some of you to opportunities to serve. Might be calling some of you to Mexico. Might be calling you to lead a home group or do something around here or share your faith. And immediately, in 2024, you're pulling a Moses. Oh, but, but I, but I, but I can't, but I haven't, but I, but. It's the same core issue, isn't it? Where's your focus? Because your focus is directly related to your courage. And here's the radical thing. It's not even just that when we get challenged we, with, with these situations, we go to like the timid side. We also have to guard against going the other way, like Peter, remember Jesus says, hey, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. What does good old Pete say? Come on. Right? He says, even if I must die, I'll never betray you. Right? So we have to guard against both ways. I can't. I'm so timid. I'm so shy. Oh, please send someone else. (laughs) What else you got for me, God? Because both of those are self-centered, aren't they? It's both still centered on self. And here's the crazy thing. Christian courage is about Christ. It's not about you. What we have to do is choose by faith to appropriate Christ and all that God offers us in Christ. Christian courage is not Rooted in me or your innate abilities, your strengths, your resources, your personality, your bent. Christian courage is Christian courage. It's Christ-centered, amen? That's why this is transformative. Because the church has bought into kind of a lot of this self-help, pull yourself up, be the best version of yourself, type of stuff and you know there's i'm not saying that's all bad except for as a believer you flip it into it's about me when really courage is about christ it's about christ and when you shift your focus and you live your life focused on christ watch out because god can do things in and through you that you would never as you're sitting right here would never even fathom But you have to choose like the rabbit or the duck. Where are you going to focus? In John 16, Jesus is saying, speaking to his disciples, he says this. Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone for the father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, in the Amplified Version, I love this. Uh, it says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world you have, tribu- you have tribulation and distress and suffering, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world, which means my conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. Amen? Amen? He calls us, he tells us, hey, in 2024, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have distress. You're going to have problems. But be courageous because I have the victory. Our courage moving into 2024 is directly related to, is founded on Jesus' victory. His victory is our victory. That's the basis of our courage. The basis of our courage moving forward to make it Christian courage is that Christ already won. He has overcome the world. If we're going to be all that God wants us to be individually and as a church in 2024, I'm telling tell you right now, it's going to take courage. It's going to take, take courage. And you're going to sit there and you're going to be. And you're literally going to be scared, scared. Right. The question is when you get scared, and that's just part of who we are. How God made us. Okay. At that moment, the the real question is where are you going to focus? What are you going to do at that moment? The Israelites at the border of Canaan. What are you going to do in that moment? Right. You know, Tyler even talked about uh, we're going to Triple C Continuing Care Center. We've been doing that for 14 years now as a church we love going over there they watch us faithfully and uh you know when we go there quite frankly and when i do visitations and when i'm called to you know different scenarios there are times where i have no idea what i'm walking into zero and there are times even though i've done this repeatedly i'm like lord i gotta stay focused on you because in my flesh this is going to be uncomfortable in my flesh, I have no idea who this is. I have no idea what the health situation is. I don't know where they are spiritually. But, Lord, by faith in you, I'm going to take a few deep spiritual breaths, and I'm going to go do this in the name of Jesus, in your strength, in your power. That's even when we go to triple C, you know, and they have health issues there, and they're like, oh, you know, I found out, you know, we're, everyone wear masks, and I said, do we have to wear them during chapel? And he said, as of a couple of days ago, yeah. And I'm like, that's fine. Because that's where they live. And we go there to bless them. It's not about me wearing a mask and being uncomfortable or not. I'm just going to go there and love them in the name of Jesus. We're going to play guitar. We're going to do some hymns. Jordan's going to do a great Devo. And we're just going to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And those that may not know Jesus, hopefully by the end of our chapel today, they're going to know Jesus. But when we throw that invitation out to you, some of you get nervous. Uh I've never done anything like that. Well, maybe it's time. Right? Right? Ah, you know, it's inconvenient. I usually go to lunch. I usually, well, maybe it's time to change that. even takes courage to change our schedule. Break out of the routine. All of that. I get it. I just share this with you because even today, I've been doing this for 14 years, and I love them over there, and we have a great relationship, and I'm going to go in there and see some old friends and a bunch of new people, I don't know. For me, I still, on my drive over there, I am literally praying, Lord, I give this to you. I give this to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just let me be your ambassador Let me just love them. I still do it. I still do it, okay? Because I have to stay focused like this. So as a believer, what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of personalize this idea of courage to help you not just comprehend, right? Because we live in our brain so much in 2024. We try to comprehend things, intellectualize our faith. What we really have to do is there's another word, apprehend. To apprehend something, it's like you grab on, like a monkey tail. They grab You have to apprehend some truths regarding courage if you're going to move forward into the promised land. And one of the truths we have to really settle is who you are in Christ. Because, again, a lot of us, you know, there's a gospel message. Some of us heard the four spiritual laws. And, hey, Jesus died for your sins. You say this prayer, and you're saved. Okay, I get that. That's gospel. But what we tend to do is we tend to approach the gospel even respond to the gospel as a transaction. It's transactional. Jesus did this for you. By faith, do this. Put your faith in him. And transactionally, you're on your way to heaven. Okay, at a certain level, that's true. Okay, that's the good news of the gospel. Saved by grace through faith. But what we tend to do, and this is where I think the enemy gets in and messes with our courage, is we, we keep it very general and very broad. When truth is, if you put your faith in Jesus, you have entered into a familial, intimate relationship with the God of the universe, your father, Abba, right? Romans 8:15. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. As you sit here, as a believer, you are adopted. You have full rights as God's child in God's family. You're not second class. You have to get that into your head. If you and I are going to exercise Christian courage, we got to understand that we are children of the living God of the universe. It wasn't just some general transaction. This is dad we're talking about. Dad, right? One person says, when a person becomes a Christian, he or she leaves the slavery of trying to please God through works and gains all the privileges and responsibilities of a child in God's family. At the core, if we're going to apprehend Christian courage, it starts from you're God's child. You're not just a member of a church. You're not just a Christian in the sense you believe certain things. No, your identity has supernaturally radically changed. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. You know, sometimes you see uh, on YouTube, whatever, you know, these, these children of these very wealthy, affluent billionaires maybe in the Middle East or, you know, the, the silver spoons or whatever you want to call them, right? And these kids, they, they're walking around with an attitude because my dad's a billionaire and I've grown up around this. See, the way they live their life is directly related to their lineage and the, who they are, right? Now, in that world, they take it to a materialistic, prideful extreme. But at the core, it's the same principle. Do you know who your father is? Do you know everything that's afforded to you as a child of God? That's why what happened to the Israelites is so stunning. A report of giants in the land, oh! And Joshua and Caleb are like, yo, God's chosen people, Israelites, Red Sea, manna, quail. Come on. Come on, come back, right? Come back. And maybe some of you just need to come back today. You've been amped for a long time.
0: Mm, mm,
3: mm, Worry, anxiety, stress. uh, uh. And maybe today God just wants to say, breathe. Come back, my adopted son my adopted daughter, it's fine. You're a child of God. You're a child of God through faith in Jesus. So literally everything outside that window waiting for you pales in comparison. Amen? To your father in heaven and all his resources. Everything outside these four walls, you should begin to alter your perspective about you versus the giants. Because some of you got some giants. Some of them are new. Someone just came up this week. Some of these giants have been in your closet for years. And it's been there so long, you're afraid to open the closet. You know it's there. Well, I'm telling you on the authority of Scripture, you're a child of God. Don't be afraid of that giant. In the name of Jesus, with Christian courage, find victory over that giant. Face it in the name of Jesus. You got brothers and sisters here. We'll pray for you, we'll counsel you, we'll walk you through that. But it's time to face the giants with Christian courage because you're a child of God. Right? Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Quick survey, the last seven days, what percentage of your mind has been set on worldly things versus godly things? Anybody here ever have like a problem, trial come up in your life and it consumes you? like cannot stop thinking, like wake up in the middle of the night type of stuff, well, that's what you've been setting your mind on. Right? And it's amazing because if you're like me, a little thing like this, a little problem comes up, and the more I set my mind, that thing just gets closer and closer and closer. And now that is all I see is this thing that has consumed me rather than keeping it in perspective by keeping my mind set this way, right? I love this, this illustration I've shared with you before. My friend, the four-eyed fish, right? The four-eyed fish, right? It really doesn't have four eyes. The eyes are actually split lives on the surface, and the crazy thing, God is, like, amazing. I love, like, you've seen those nature shows. You're like, how can you say there is no God, right? So they call this a four-eyed fish, even though it doesn't have four eyes. It's just a split kind of retina. This fish has been designed by God to be able to look for predator and prey at the same time. Isn't that crazy? Right? It can choose. It's like, ooh, ooh, ooh I'm skimming. I see you, bird. But I also see you, dinner, Right? I love that because the Bible says we are citizens of heaven. We are children of God. Your eyes have been opened to the spiritual reality around us in a broken and fallen world. Like the full right fish, you have spiritual eyes. You see things that your unsaved friends don't. You understand a spiritual world. That's when the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. That means you have the ability to understand spiritual things. That's why when you try to share your faith with someone at work or wherever, they're like, Huh? What? No, I don't get it. Because they don't. They're spiritually dead. They're spiritually blind. Right? You and I, as children of God, through the Holy Spirit, our eyes are open. We get it. We understand the Bible. We want to be at church. Worship means something to us. Right? All of this is just indicators that you have been born again. And like the four-eyed fish, you see the world through a spiritual lens now. We call it a biblical worldview, if you choose. Now, there's a lot of professing believers who choose to focus on the worldly view. That's why they get stuck, okay? These brothers, Wayne Mack and Joshua Mack, say this. Do not allow your distress to keep you from thinking biblically about your situation. Christians are not to be controlled by their circumstances, God calls on us and gives us the power to rejoice when distressed, to be calm when all around us is chaos, and to be courageous even when times are frightening. So if something is swirling, I want to encourage you. Take as necessary time to come back down. Maybe you need to get an outside opinion. Maybe you need to get counsel, someone who's objective, because you're so wound up right now that your vision is colored and you can't even see past what you think, right? There's a thing called confirmation bias. You ever hear confirmation bias? If you're trying to make a decision and you have confirmation bias that your decision is already right, well, then everything you see just confirms your bias. You're actually shut down to objective, even counter uh, honest opinions and thoughts and suggestions because of your confirmation bias. You want it to be right so bad that everything just validates your position. Maybe you need to have the courage in Christ to sit down and say, oh, okay, Lord, what are you saying here? Let me calm down. Let me, bring my, let me calm my brain down. Let me just start to listen again to the Holy Spirit and God's word and counsel, okay? In John 14, Jesus again says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. This is a choice. We're talking about a choice we have, okay? And so I just want to help us walk through some biblical truths, some things that will help maybe drive some stakes in the ground about who you are and Appro- appropriating, apprehending Christian courage, not just in a broad sense, but in a very personal sense, right? And so the first thing that we could do is really spend time appropriating God's presence in your life. They call it, there's a there's a theological term, his imminence, which means he's present, he's imminent, okay? Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Notice it's all about God. Psalm 119. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling very familiar verses that many of us agree with. But I want to bring it into the adoption mode, the personal mode, because God is present, okay, 24-7, 365. But here's the radical thing. As a child of God, you can enter his presence. That's radically different because some of us will say, yeah, God's here, God's always with me. But Hebrews 4 says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Maybe for some of you, those first truths in Isaiah and Psalms are great, but maybe some of you in apprehending Christian courage, you need to be reminded that not only is God present, but you can choose to go into his presence. Go into his presence as his child. Every time you pray, right, when we did our, that series on the Lord's Prayer, what does the word pray or prayer mean in the in New Testament? pros uhomai. When you pray, it is not rote words. It is not just gibber-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Da, 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 da. The word pray in the Bible means to pros uhomai, to become aware that you are before the face of God. If you prayed this morning, did you pause long enough to become fully aware that you were in the presence of God? Or was it just, hey, I got a few things to say, da-da-da-da-da, check off the box and move on. Not only is God always present, through prayer, we can choose to enter his presence. Not everyone has that privilege, yo. That's Christian. That's Christian. I shared with you before, only Christians can say, our Father who art in heaven. Through faith in Jesus, we are the only ones on this planet who can say Abba and come into his throne of grace 24-7-365. That is an incredible privilege we have and that should bolster our Christian courage, amen? That's who we are. It's a privilege we have, right? Philippians 4, do not be anxious about what? Anything, but in what? Every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Quite honestly, some of us in the church are so amped and have been so amped, and our rational mind has been shut down. Why? Because you haven't had taken the time to come into the presence of God and pray. You thought you'd been praying because you've been asking God to bless your thing, But what I'm talking about is something in my life, because it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, I'm talking about coming into the presence of God, laying the situation at God's feet and saying, God, what do you think? Should I do this? Should I pull the plug? Have I been missing it? Do I stay the course? What I'm saying is you bring this before God and you let his peace Guard your heart. Because if you're bringing things to God, and you're amped, and you're like this, according to these verses, the peace of God is supposed to be a fruit of you coming to God. And so if you're coming to God like this, and you're leaving like this, you have to sit back down. Because it says here, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. When I bring things to God, it may not get resolved at that moment, but what will change is my peace. And when I have peace, quite honestly, I, I, I think a lot more rationally. <laughs> I'm willing to receive correction. I'm willing to confess. I'm less stubborn. I'm less scared. Because the peace of God is guarding my heart. And I'm reminded that Father loves me. Calm down, <sighs> and now I can reevaluate in peace because I came into his presence, right? And then it says that God's power, we, we focus on God's power that he's transcendent, he's sovereign. Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things. And that no purpose of yours can be thwarted, right? God is all-powerful. He's sovereign, right? Jerry Bridges says this, Nothing is so small or trivial as to escape the attention of God's sovereign control. Nothing is so great as to beyond, be beyond his power to control it. No detail of your life is too insignificant for your heavenly Father's attention. No circumstance is so big that he cannot control it. Amen? Amen. See, we're talking about dad. This isn't like deistic God out in the universe, across the Milky Way, who's kind of just watching. No, you got to personalize this. Remember, you are adopted. This is dad we're talking about. Dad is all-powerful. Abba is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. This is your father, right? And then it says this. 2 Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Look at that again. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if if you're caught up in anxiety and fears and all kinds of stuff, that is not coming from God. Right? It says he has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Jordan, can you put that one back up? Power, love, and self-discipline. Who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. If you are a child of God, through faith in Jesus, not only have you been adopted into the family of God, you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> I don't know, Bill. The third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says indwells every Christian. God the Holy Spirit, the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, indwells every believer. And yet, when life happens and we get scared and fearful, we go to me. We, We go to self versus the Holy Spirit. And we get all tied up in knots and the devil's like, gotcha. The devil The last thing the devil wants is for you to acknowledge the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. The devil would love for you to spend years, years, and years spinning your wheels, leaning on your own self-understanding, your self-effort, your good intentions, yada, 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 resolutions. The devil is just fine you spinning the wheels of self. But once you step into like, wait, I have the spirit of power? That word is, dy- is dunamis, which was related to our words dynamite and dynamic. You have in, been indwelt by the Holy Spirit and given supernatural, dynamic, dynamite power. Thank you. <laughs> okay. But man, my boss at work, he only knew man it's rough I'm just telling you I'm just presenting to you what is available to you as a Christian why you can have Christian courage before you leave here I'm praying one person even at home is like what the Holy Spirit indwells me Philippians two thirteen. for God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him Case in point, just, just an little example. How many of you wanted to come to church today? Just wanted to. Where did that desire come from? That's a spiritual thing. If you want the things of God, which is like the word and prayer and worship and church attendance, if you're drawn, if you have this hunger and thirst for the things of God, the kingdom of God, that's the Holy Spirit in you. I share that with you to kind of like, a wake up. He's there. Come on. Right? Because how many of you, be honest, if you didn't know Jesus, you'd be playing pickleball right now. You'd be prepping for the football game. Many of you would still be asleep. What got you up? Why are you excited to come here? Now we get it, like you, like coming here and it thud, all the trappings of it. But fundamentally, if you are drawn to the things of the kingdom of God, that is God. That is God. Because you just gotta look out this window in this neighborhood, right here. Why aren't they here? If it was just a thing. Come on. Right? God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. It's right there. Take it. Take it. Right? Cross into the promised land. 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. Ephesians one three. All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. If you're a believer, you have won the spiritual Powerball. You have every spiritual blessing. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, that lives in you. It's there. It's there. It's the enemy that gets in your head. It's the enemy that causes the doubt and insecurity. Because, of course, the enemy doesn't want you to use any of it. In fact, the enemy would be pretty fine with you being a good, moral, lukewarm Christian. But someone who's walking by faith with Christian courage, that's the last thing the enemy wants. It's all right there for you. Psalm 56, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? This is why I want you to be in God's word, to know his promises, to not just intellectualize them, but to appropriate them, to live based on them. It's either true or it isn't. You got to have to make a choice. You got to act or not, right? And what's really great, right, in terms of Christian cowardice and, 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 and Christian cowardice, Christian courage, and how we can overcome like fear and cowardice is one of the biggest fears we have on this planet is what? Death. Right? So let's talk about that. You're a child of God, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is our seal and guarantee of our salvation, right? Look at Romans 8:11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. There is no fear of death as a Christian. Okay, I'm going to say that again. There is no fear of death as a Christian. Come on. I mean, if you're honest, that's what many of you are scared of. Worst case scenario. Worst thing happening. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Okay, little Bible knowledge. If something were to happen to you as a believer on your way home from church today, where would you be? <laughs> well, I guess in heaven. Gosh, I don't know. With God and all the other saints, and <laughs> I guess, I guess there'd be no more sin and no more pain and no more death. I, got, I guess I'd be in heaven. <laughs> but I kind of really like Ojai. Now, I was hoping to go to Ohio Beverage Company, but I guess heaven will do. Come on! There is no fear of death. Your name is written in the book of life. If you're a believer, as you sit here, your name is written in the book of life. You are a child. You are a son and daughter of the living God. Father is well-pleased with you right now because you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. He couldn't be more happy with you because of your righteousness in Christ. That's who you are. That's who you are, right? 1 Corinthians 15. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's a memory verse. I'm just throwing it out to you. Some of you might want to... 1 Corinthians right there, verse 57. That could be a great memory verse. Thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable... Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Why? Because of who you are in Christ. You're an adopted child of God because of God's presence. You can enter his presence, his power, his provision, your name being written in the book of life. Let's go. I mean... And I'm not, I mean, I'm not even talking like hype. Go home and be different at home. That project, that thing that you have been kicking the can down the road at home, which could be the garage, which could be that thing that you've not wanted to face, and you're just like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, it's, it's, it's so much. Am I talking to anyone right now? <laughs> I just can't. Ah. Oh. Every time I think about, oh, I just, I just sucks the life out of me. Oh. In the power of the Holy Spirit, go clean out your garage. <laughs> like, it's that practical. There's just things that we can do that we've surrendered in w- w- the white flag, and somehow we just kicked it, and we're like, wait, I'm a believer. Why can't I deal with that? Why? Because over time, you shifted to yourself. And your feelings and your circumstances and your emotions and your understanding, it became about you. How about this? How about you go home and you're like, Lord, I want to be a good steward of my house. Here's the blue pencil. Can you show me what needs to be done around here? Lord, I want to be a good steward of my finances. Here's the blue pencil. Can you show me how to be a good steward? And in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, you do that at home, your life will change. Because now you're bringing spiritual life into your home. Into your home. You're, you have more energy. You're alive. It's not just routine day in and day out. You are like on a mission to glorify God in your house by doing the dishes. It's like, how did he know? Seriously. It's victories like this big. Victories where you have allowed the flesh and your emotion to kind of dominate. Purpose in your heart. Nope. Nope, I'm going to be a good steward of this place. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to start writing again. Wink, wink, Tyler and Mike, right? (laughs) Just things. Have courage. Be strong and have good courage. From the minutia of, of routine things of life, okay, to the big things that are going on today, have Christian courage. Have Christian courage. I love this. Ephesians 1, Apostle Paul's prayer. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. God wants you to know in your life and in your experience as his child, the same power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead. That's some power, guys. That is some (laughs) power. Right? So like when I don't want to fold my clothes, after the laundry, I'm like, Lord, I need some resurrection power. (laughs) Because my flesh just likes to dig through the pile for a week. It's that practical. I mean, I'm just, right, I'm right? It's, it, sometimes we like hyper-spiritualize everything. No. The Apostle Paul wants us to know God's power in our everyday life. That's who we are. It's already there. Like, it's already there, right? And so I love this. We'll close with 1 John 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that jesus is the son of god christian courage is christian because it's rooted in christ and the very starting point of christian courage is to know christ personally you got to have the personal relationship christian courage is for christians and everything we've talked about in the Word of God and who you are as a child of God, it's there. First step is, though, you've got to be a Christian. The Bible says, you your, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. You receive the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus. Can't earn it, can't be good enough, you just receive it. Then you're born again, you're adopted and you receive the Holy Spirit indwelling you and you're off and running as a new creation child of God. That's the basis of Christian courage, amen?
0: We'll uh, meld right into announcement time since I'm here. Super Bowl Sunday, two weeks away, right? It's no secret that the Rams are my first favorite team, second favorite team's whoever's playing the 49ers. So it's the Lions today. Go Lions, right? I want you to know that it's a known fact that there are believers and followers of Christ in every team and organization. We pray for a safe time, that there be no injuries, particularly here at the well as we watch the game. (laughs) The game time, I believe, is 3.30. They haven't made that official on Super Bowl Sunday We've talked the last couple of weeks about ways we can contribute and come. Uh, again, I'm bringing chili and, and whatnot. Uh, I want to talk about beverages at this point. Here's what the church is going to provide. When you walk through the double doors right here, there's this little short black machine. It's about this big. It's got bottled water in it. We can make it hot or cold when you push a button. That's as exciting as it's going to get per- pertaining to that. Now, you brothers and sisters, are welcome to bring an ice chest full of ice and the beverage of your choice that doesn't contain alcohol because we don't have that as an option here on campus at the church. So if you want to load up on A&W Zero cans, bottled water, whatever, bring your own ice, bring your ice chest that you take away. For the man or woman that doesn't cook or want to prepare anything, that's the way to go. Anybody can buy a couple of 12-packs of Coca-Cola or or whatever, cactus cooler or whatever you're drinking. That's an option. We'll have outlets available for famed crock pots full of hot stuff. Chips and dip are always good. But we are going to fellowship as the body of Christ, enjoy the Super Bowl in here on two screens and one in the commons. Stick around to clean up your mess. (laughs) That's for sure. Anybody that would like to help out on Monday... Uh, as far as coming in, and not that we're leaving a mess on Sunday, but that there might be things that need to be done here, wiped down, vacuumed, whatnot, on Monday morning. Uh, Barry, raise your hand, Barry. Where's Barry? Barry is the project manager. He's the man to see. He's going to take that on. So Super Bowl. Uh, Goodness. Men's ministry moving forward in 2024. We're having, remember the M6 meeting that we had here? Fellowship of the Brothers, there is an M24 in September, Saturday and Sunday, the 7th and 8th. Now you're thinking, what is he telling us in January about September? I want you guys that have vacation schedules at work or things you need to plot and scheme to get time off at a certain time if you work weekends to block that date out. Men can camp out of their car. I'm going to talk a lot more about it when we get closer, but it's in Tehachapi, We show up at noon on Saturday, you leave at noon on Sunday, and it would be a uh, real ministry statement if beyond a uh, guest speaker, this dwelling was void of men because they were taking that in. So anyway, I'll have lots more about that. Solely Business, of course, is coming up in March. There will be registration for the June event uh, shortly thereafter, probably within a couple of weeks, and I'll have information about that. Thank you.
1: There is an epidemic sweeping across our nation's churches. That is, the shrinking population of their volunteers. Alarming, to say the least. To investigate the impact, we set up our cameras, removed all the volunteers, and followed a man we'll call Pete, as he attended a local worship service without any volunteers. It started out like any other Sunday. Pete arrived five minutes late, as he always does. He assumed a greeter would open the door. He assumed wrong. Ah, ah. Have you ever had church coffee that's been sitting around for a week? Well, Pete has. Deciding life was about more than just coffee, Pete finally answered the call to the mission field. But there was nobody picking up on the other end. To further complicate matters, Pete had to stoop down and get his own bulletin. He even had to hold and comfort a tiny human that he didn't understand. In fact, Pete didn't understand any of it. So, how can we as a church body keep this from happening? seems there's a very simple fix it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of effort so won't you do it for your church do it for yourself Please! god bless him Please! volunteer for pizza on! yeah on on
0: that note
2: for Pete's sakes, I mean, around here we don't call it volunteering; we give it opportunities to serve. So we we have all to- sorts of opportunities to serve here. And our plug this morning is for Kingdom Kids because right now our volunteer list is short. And if you are afraid, have the courage to do it because you can talk to several people that have served in Kingdom Kids, and it's such a rewarding thing to do. Because I know, if you remember back in Sunday school, maybe that's the first time you heard about Jesus and. And you're like, oh, wow. So you get the opportunity to shepherd young kids to know Jesus. So what more important things are there to that? And there's all sorts of other ways to serve here at the church. You know, with Barry, I'm sure he would love to have people come and help him. Thank you, Solomon. He came on on Saturday and helped him. So there's all sorts of opportunities to serve here. So if you have any questions, contact myself, and I'll be more than happy to direct you in the right direction. So And the next announcement is our continuing care um, it's like our second body, um, by the way, high continuing care. They stream us every Sunday, and it's um, the care facility behind Ojai Hospital, and so we go and do service there. So this mor- or this afternoon at 145, we all gather there, and at 2 o'clock, we have a service, and today we have a special guest speaker, speaker at the service at Jordan, and so we're going to worship with them today there and just preach the word of, of God to them, and it's just a great opportunity and if you do go there, they do, are requiring right now masks just because it is a care facility, and they don't want to get any of our dirty germs from our dirty church so, <laughs> so it's but it's what it's a great opportunity and if you go, you truly will be blessed I mean you go there to bless them, but then in return, you get blessed by them so and then my last one is the giving statements. If you haven't received your giving statements yet this year, contact our little drummer boy in the back bill um he has them for you so